Good news, smoked beer fans. The official glass of This Week in Rauk Beer is now back in stock on our website. Visit beeredge.com slash merch to get yours today. And be sure to join This Week in Rauk Beer on Facebook or follow at TW Rauk Beer on Twitter and Instagram. Welcome to Drink Beer, Think Beer, the podcast that gets to the bottom of every pint. I'm John Hall. The Super Bowl is coming up this weekend, and we're using that as a chance to catch up with breweries from the cities that are playing in the big game. Lynn Weaver of Three Weavers and T.O. Hunter of Crowns and Hops in Englewood, California, are here along with Matthew Steinke of Rheingeist Brewing in Cincinnati to talk about a friendly wager, diversity and inclusion in the beer space, establishing community, and even a little business. But first... We're able to bring you this show each week, thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you'd like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to sponsor at beeredge.com. And be sure to check out Stomp Stickers. Stomp is a proud member of the Brewers Association that produces a wide variety of printed brewery products, such as beer labels, keg collars, coasters, beer boxes, and much more. Stomp's website features an easy-to-use design tool, low-quantity orders, fast turnaround times, and free domestic shipping. Visit stompstickers.com and use code CRAFTBEER15 for 15% off your first order. Athletic Brewing Company's innovative process allows them to brew great-tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to stouts to gold nails and more, they offer a full selection of beers starting at only 50 calories. Now you can keep your head clear and enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime, anywhere. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping on two six-packs or more. New customers can also get 10% off of their entire order with the code BEEREDGE10, limit one per customer. Anenzi Hops is a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years with creativity and passion to produce some of the world's finest hops. With a dedicated hop breeding program and farming knowledge handed down through the generations, the current day master growers proudly provide 18 unique New Zealand hop varieties to the world. Visit nzhops.co.nz or find them on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at nzhopsltd to learn more. Friendly bets have become popular under the backdrop of the Super Bowl. Mayors of cities that host game-bound teams engage in banter designed to boost tourism, friends take on each other, and small businesses go toe-to-toe to show off team pride. Breweries are no different. This year, as the Cincinnati Bengals take on the Los Angeles Rams at SoFi Stadium in Englewood, California, we welcome on three breweries engaged in such a bet. The terms of the bet weren't firmed up before recording this show and slowly get hashed out, if not completely resolved by the end. Spoiler alert, there will be costumes. On the show this week, joining via Zoom from their respective breweries are Lynn Weaver, the founder and owner of Three Weavers, a brewery in Englewood that, as you'll hear, was briefly part of Canarchy, the brewery group that was recently purchased by Monster Beverages. She brought the company back to independence before that deal was closed. She's joined by her brewery neighbor, T.O. Hunter. He's a co-founder of Crowns and Hops, a brewery that started on social media, gained a grassroots following, and has been working hard to bring change to the beer industry through action. And representing Cincinnati is Matthew Steinke, 
the director of sales at Rungeist Brewing, one of the state's larger breweries and a source of local beer pride. There are barbs and jabs thrown throughout the show, and they wind up steering the topics and sharing experiences. We start off with the run-up to the game and Englewood, which is hosting the game for the biggest night in American sports. I kind of want to make a statement, though, to, uh, you know, Ryan Geist and Matt. You might be the home team, but this is our backyard, right, Tio? Hey! Ram's house. I know. I feel like we're going to have to spice up this bet a little bit since we're doing it in real time, and it just doesn't have the same energy when you're doing it via email. So yeah, I'm going to put my thinking cap on during the dialogue of this. There's only so much... <laughs> there needs to be talk. some serious embarrassment. <laughs> I, I agree. I couldn't agree more. I mean, one, I mean, first and foremost, let's just take a, a look at that. Everything that you just mentioned, John, it, it's very rare that a home team has an opportunity to represent their city, um, you know, in the biggest game on the planet. Um, so so it, it's a really proud moment for the city of Inglewood. And I think Lynn and I both, um, you know, and first of all, we got to give our our flowers to Lynn um, as, as one of the rookie brewing companies in, in the country. Um, Lynn has done probably the most any individual could do for a city and craft beer to to really have a presence. So, Lynn, thank you uh, for, for leading the way for us, sis. You're, you're very, very sweet. I appreciate that. I'm a, I think that my experience and journey of, of coming into Inglewood is not a typical one. Um, and it's a humbling one where I had prejudice because I grew up in North Orange County, just like, you know, 20 miles or so south um, against Inglewood uh, due to, <laughs> you know, the riots and everything like when I grew up. Right. And so I didn't want to be in Inglewood. And I had this prejudice against Inglewood that was so unfounded and so wrong and mm. embarrassing. Um, and so I tell this story often that, um, uh, you know, there were moments in which I was like, do I call it Inglewood? Oh, man, can I call it L.A.? And then the realization I was going so against the grain of my ethos of it's more than beer, it's community. And I was like, just floored. I was floored and um, had some self-realizations of, of my own childhood prejudices that I needed to overcome. And what made it worse in my own realization was going to the city and meeting all these wonderful individuals um, just looking for a leg up. Because at that time when we came in, there wasn't any stadium. Hollywood Park was still Hollywood Park um, and being discussed to be a development. Um, and, and they really needed people to change their opinion of Inglewood and for us to come in and, and to make that attempt to change people's opinion, like my opinion changed um, one beer at a time and pushing for businesses to see how business friendly Inglewood is. Um, that was, that was really my effort because it was, it was my doing right for, for my viewpoints, my wrong viewpoints before. Um, so, so yeah, it, like I've done everything I possibly can do to promote the, the, uh, stadium, the new Clipper arena. Um, I go up, have gone up to Sacramento and done witness stuff. I mean, like I, I will do whatever I need to do to promote our city. I, I there's so much to unpack in all <laughs> Sorry. of that. No, 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 no. That's that. that I, and I mean, I wanted to, to, with all of that in mind, being the host city, but also having a team in the game. Um, Tia, what's it like in and around where you are right now? Like, are, 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 is, is everybody into this? Is everybody 
well, well, behind just, this? Well, just to give you a little context on myself, yeah. I, I was born in Inglewood. Um, I, I was born probably uh, a mile away from the stadium um, and and pretty much grew up um, in the South LA area, Lamert Park, Baldwin Hills, Altadena as well. Um, so, you know, much to what Lynn, you know, landed on, you know, was the, the city that I knew growing up, you know, I knew how beautiful it was, um, despite um, how the media wanted it to make it seem like the gangbang capital of, of the planet. You know, um, I always knew um, what Inglewood would be and had the potential of being realized as long as resources were made available to the very people that lived in the community. That said, the community is, is on fire right now um, with excitement. Um, you know, I, I think one, it's it's really exciting. Um, unlike our our um, our fluorescent orange and black uh, friends um, o- over in the Midwest, um, you know, to have a team again. You know, um, it, you know, to 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 have your team, you know, brought and then taken away, and then in, in one city and then taken away. Um, you know, the sense of pride that we have not only in having a team again, but then hosting the Super Bowl and being in the Super Bowl is surreal. Um, I, 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 could, I could say that everybody from the people coming in to develop to the people who own homes, um, which is a very, you know, real thing in Inglewood, um, to, to, the, to the, you know, the everyday person is really excited. I, you, you, you brought up, uh, and I, I feel like using the word fluorescent has a little bit of shade attached to it. Uh, so Matt, I want you to, I want you to jump in, uh, on this because, uh, I, I feel like the LA, uh, folks where they've only had the team for what, like three years now, two years now in LA, uh, three, um, you guys have been waiting since 1988 to make a routine, a, a return to the Super Bowl. Um, you're facing off from another California team, which the last two iterations didn't work out very well for you. Um, what, what's it like in Cincinnati right now? Well, I'm going to echo some of those comments. Like it, it, they might have had their team back for three years, but since he has been waiting for 30 to be relevant, right? So <laughs> the energy is similar. Um, I, the, 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 the city's just a buzz. I mean, you're through the burbs, there's pop-up, uh, merch stores happening. We had a pop-up event at the brewery for, you know, some retired swag and the line was around the building on Saturday, literally around the building before we opened up. Um, the energy is just electric and it's good for the city. You know, Cincinnati's not on the national conversation often, but it's a, it's a really beautiful place to live and it's full of pockets of these beautiful neighborhoods, whether it's our community, whether it's sports, whether it's food, whether it's beer, right? Um, there's a proud, a proud group of Cincinnatians and, and folks from Northern Kentucky that are, that are grasping this and, and feel like, you know, three decades of cheering on their team is coming to fruition. And the cool thing is the team is young, right? And th- th- there's a lot of youth in the city that's, that's going to be a new generation fan from this. And it's, to, to the point that Lynn and Tio made is, is it's cool to celebrate the things that make your city, your city. And when the national news starts doing stories on, you know, breweries, cuisine, entrepreneurs, that's just good. What's good for the goose is good for the gander. Right. And, 
And uh, it's just an exciting time to, to be around it all. And I, I'm not from Cincy, born and raised, but the Cincy, has tra- Cincy as a city has transformed in the seven years I've been around it tremendously. And, and it's like this living, breathing, growing entity, right? That's, that's really evolved into a, into a beautiful place. And, and um, I think it's, there's people that are born and raised in Cincy are, are finding a moment to kind of puff their chests out a little bit. And um, that's a good thing for everybody. I, I like that you brought up uh, that there are stories being done you know, about local food, about local breweries. Um, Cause it, it's even with closing in on 10,000 breweries in the country right now, going into Super Bowl Sunday, when it comes to talking about beer, normally what dominates the conversation are the very largest companies in the space. The ones who spend, you know, tens of millions, if not more uh, every year on advertising and then, you know, get prime spots during the game, uh, you know, that, tug at heartstrings or make you laugh or, or, or whatever. Uh, and then also have a lot of stadium rights and team rights and et cetera. Um, are, are you finding, and this is just sort of a jump ball for whoever wants it, but um, that craft beer, small beer, independent beer, whatever we're calling it these days um, is able to be in the conversation in ways that it hasn't in the past. I'm going to jump on that one. If yeah, please, please. there there's there's very limited opportunity and you have to have um kind of almost guardian angels in some aspects within those stadiums in these the high level games like this because it is a, a absolute monopoly on the sponsorship side where they come through and take off all of our handles and take all of our cases um and it's it's really those guardian angels and those uh stadiums who somehow lead and protect um the best that they can um we are very very fortunate um three weavers is uh still in the stadium somehow we were able to keep um 10 tap handles and and um some placements um for 19 twos um so i'm gonna do some little bit of guerrilla warfare tactics to um use social media to post where and and incentivize folks to post where our beer is throughout the stadium during the super bowl um and uh i'm hoping to capture photos and 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 that's what you have to do uh, or else you you know nobody else is in there no other craft brand is in there except for ours and we are so lucky um for that to have happened will it happen again probably not uh, I think that that they they will learn this time, you know, that there were some residual crafts somehow that snuck in um, and uh, probably demand that it's gone. But um, at this point in time, it's it's going to be there. So um, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> so, Teal, with Lynn being the only craft brand that's in there, um, but you being local, how are you finding ways to become part of the beer conversation leading up to the game? Um, well, I'd say we probably take some of those same guerrilla tactics. Um, we have found ways to get in a stadium when more than uh, I'm sure there are others that uh, wouldn't have us uh, there. Um, but, but again, we, we've been able to have, uh, to Lynn put it, um, some, some great guardian angels um, to allow uh, for brands to be there. I mean, I mean, let, let's be honest. Uh, not only are we, um, a craft beer is really fighting the good fight, but we are two woman-owned, 
um, a black owned, a veteran owned um, business um, in the craft beer space that are hosting the Super Bowl. You know, um, you know, it, it would be great. You know, if um, if the NFL, um, if certain entities that allow for businesses to to have an opportunity in this in this in the brightest of spotlights in our country allowed for um, you know companies like ours to to ha- have a little stake in the game. Um, but again, to, ben, to excuse me, to Lynn's point, um, we have to do everything that we can to fight and claw. Um, uh, for for a way to 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 show up in the best way possible, um, but what we have planned on doing is a few activations in and around the city that we know and that we love uh, to give people an opportunity to celebrate and to enjoy the city. Um, we'll be participating with the Taste of Inglewood to make sure we have a presence for those who can't exactly make it into the stadium, um, but we'll want to celebrate just the same with something that we think is the breath of the city, which is independent craft beer. So I, I just, I, I wanted to be clear. So on Sunday, are you also going to have beer in the stadium? We, we don't have a hundred percent confirmation. We do have beer in the stadium, but like Lynn pointed out, uh, they take overt measures to make sure that the only beer that's available is the sponsored beer. And, gotcha. Um, that, that's, that's pretty much the name of the game. Okay. Um, well, if anybody's listening, who is actually going, uh, be searching, uh, I guess both of your social medias for, um, where the beer might be when it pops up. Um, yeah, and, and our plan yeah. is to actually just keep this rivalry going. So everything is always going to be tagged Rheingeist and crowns and hops and our stuff. So as we push, it's just, we're going to rub your nose in it. I'm sorry, Matt, it's just going to be like. <laughs> Sucks to be Ryan, guys. <laughs> I can tell you, I can tell you, Lynn, for a fact, we do not have beer in the stadium. <laughs> <laughs> well, what so about you your, got, home, you what about your home stadium, though, Matt? Yeah, it's similar. I mean, we've had partnership deals with the Bengals, and it ebbs and flows. We're not currently in a in a in a sponsorship, and you know what Lynn has articulated very well is is very real. It's it's challenging. It's costly. Right. And we self-distribute Cincinnati. So there's logistical impact and having partners like that. That said, we do sell a little bit of beer um, in the stadium and it is what it is. We're, we're happy to, to have an opportunity to sell beer in, in Paul Brown, but um, not currently under the, the, the support that traditional paid sponsors receive. For you know, for your brewery, have you found Matt that it is, I mean, stadiums are nice and they're, you know, they're big venues and they, they move through a lot of beer. Um, is it, is it more meaningful in the long run or more, I don't even know, meaningful in the long run to focus on other accounts that aren't just activated I don't know, six Sundays a year? Oh, I'll, I'll yeah. Oh yeah. Too, oh, sure. And, and and I can I can speak from it um, just from a grassroots. I mean, d- just you know, to be completely clear to everybody who's unfamiliar with Crowns and Ops Brewing Company, we literally started out of social media. Um, we started because we just saw that there was no phenomenal craft beer pouring into the black and brown community, like at all. Like as you would get closer and closer to what would be called the hood or black communities or Mexican communities. 
um, the options for craft beer would just reduce the more you would go into what ultimately were food deserts. Um, so one of the things that we really have always kept close to us is take the beer to the people and make sure that the people have access to it. Um, that has always been our, our philosophy and um, it doesn't change now. You know, like I said, you know, we'd be doing some some pop-ups in, in, in the downtown cities. Um, but shit, we used to do pop-ups in the back of barbershops because we were able to kind of work within a, a gray area that the governor at the time put that you can pour up to a pint of beer um, for the patrons of a barbershop or a salon without a license. And we use that as an opportunity to share what we love, to share this industry. Um, so, you know, for us, it's always been pretty grassroots. I like that as far as guerrilla tactics go. But yeah, Matt, Jack, go ahead. On our side, you know, a little bit of a different experience, but you know, Teal from starting up, Ryan, guys, same thing, man. You're just hustling down every opportunity, right? You're just excited to open your product that you poured this passion into and had somebody on the other side of the bar or whatever establishment it is consume that product and enjoy it with you and get excited about something being local and there's a real passion behind it. When you start to evolve an opportunity, for sponsorship comes into play, that there's a lot that can be very intimidating. And it, it's complicated. You're, you're talking about huge investment, right? That can pull away from hiring new people. They're largely weighted on media impressions. Um, that it's hard to quantify the value of an upstart brewery, right? You start talking about ROI and you don't quite understand your position within the venue and the amount of locations you have, the team is going to be good or bad, or if there's weather impacts that are going to, you know, cause for cancellations during key periods of time, that can be a leg sweep for a young brewery, right? You're talking tens of thousands to hundreds of thousands of dollars for even some of the entry level craft sponsorships. And for, for young growing companies, that's, that's money that you really have to decide where you want to invest if you even have it, right? And and what happened pre-COVID is it's almost like the housing market cost, the cost to participate swelled. It became almost quite ridiculous oh, yeah. how much the value of these sponsorships were. So as the small guy, even for us, you know, as a relatively large craft brewery in a, in a small regional footprint, it's hard to come to the table, right? So you try and get tactical, you try to get creative and you try and find your opportunities, but really it's just a labor of love. And then you look at the amount of hours and time that you put into those deals and some of them can be ex extremely lucrative, right? And, and great for your brand. Uh, but you measure it, John, exactly against those things you mentioned. Is, is it deterring from a focus on your local craft beer festivals? Is there an opportunity with a smaller venue that's got similar uh, goals, similar ethics, and those are challenging. And I don't think it's one size fits all. Every every partner, every venue is different. You you have to look at it and digest it. But the hard part is it, it can be intimidating. And I, I don't know, Tio Lynn, if you feel the same way, but like there is, there can be a, a an influx of information on the other side of the desk from the partner side. And then you're working with the concessionaire and the partner and the deal and how they weight their metrics. And it, it, there's a legal contracts and red line reviews. And if, if you're new to it, it, it it's overwhelming. It, it is. I agree with you, Matt. Um, and, and, and the real ROI side on any type of marketing sponsorship 
is so nebulous that you can't calculate it. It doesn't matter how much beer you sell because you're never going to end up recouping the the actual outlay of the marketing sponsorship. And then it, like you said, it goes to likes and views and and impressions. Um, and then uh, and that's not a definitive number. Um, you can't. We well, can look at those numbers, but ultimately, at the end of the day, it doesn't translate into actual physical dollars that you can compare to the investment. So Honestly. for me. Yeah. So for me, I've always been a little bit um, wary of sponsorship, physical dollars and giving my time in different ways. Um, so rather than giving money, I give time, I give effort. Um, and um, so I've always spent the time in building relationships with with the different venues. Um, at least our team does. Um, uh, and uh, I've worked a lot on making sure that we have a very positive relationship with um, the Hollywood Park. Um, you know, obviously we're, we're actually going to be building um, our second location in it right between where the Clipper Arena is and where the SoFi Stadium is. So we have a vested interest in the success of, of that location. But at the end of the day, we don't have the dollars um, to match at the NFL level to make even the craft beer sponsorship. Um, and and it's, it's gotten to be so high, like you stated, Matt, that um, it's actually only the big breweries, meaning like Anheuser-Busch, who are taking the craft sponsorship places for like Golden Road. Um, so, but the other side is that we have, like I said before, those angels, uh, guardian angels who want to be more diversified and they bring in all of the craft like um, Crowns and Hops or like Smog City or El Segundo and ourselves into, into the stadium. But then we get wiped out whenever we have these huge, um, um, like events like the Super Bowl or maybe even um, um, the Olympics, which is going to be coming, right? Um, yeah. But it, it's it's one of those things where I I don't I, I don't play in the space. You know, um, I got a lesson a long time ago about buckets and sponsorships with the NFL. They have a book that essentially categorizes every single type of commodity or else like industry into a sponsorship bucket and beer is the largest. So if you're thinking like sponsorship dollars for, for, you know, beer, it's like, there's, there's no way to compete. There's like, it, it really isn't. And, and if you're a craft, you know, brand, unless you like Sierra Nevada or, you know, Boston beer, but yeah, yeah for us, it's, it's just not a, so, so then we rely on relationships and our charm and, you know, Tio's good looks. So it all works. <laughs> You know, it's funny is they they're the I'll just speak very ambiguously, but their team actually approached us about a sponsorship. And and it was and it was so comical because when, when we started the call, there was a lot of conversation around um, our impact and what we're doing in the industry overall and what we're doing for the community. And then they threw that price at us. I was, it, it, it literally throws you off your chair. Like it, it, it's really that absurd. And, and it was, and they didn't blink. And it, it, it really made me think, you know, per what Matt and Lynn are both saying that, um, you know, it, it's a, it's a numbers game. It's a pay to play, no matter how you chop it up. And this, this pay, this payment is, is literally you can build breweries with it. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> John, I'm sure you want to move on, but I, Lynn. No, no, I'm, I'm fascinated by this. This is oh, good. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, mean, I'm, I can I'm, talk about this all day. <laughs> I'm digging this. Yeah. So Lynn brought up a really good point. I, what we do in crafts is we are, we are 
prideful of what we built and the community around it and the people that we hire, the people that we employ, and we'll work harder than some of the other partners, right? And we have definitely built some real strategic partnerships based on our work ethic, right? We'll come out there, we employ more bodies, we are self-distributed, we can show up, we can represent our brands, we can pour, you can use our cold storage. We will hustle our way into it. And and we support that with a full-time position who is in charge of our charitable efforts, our community efforts, strategic partnerships, and events. So one person looks at the whole pie holistically and makes decisions on where our efforts are best spent. But yeah, that that sticker price when when it gets dropped on you can be uh, can knock you out of your chair for sure. <laughs> More in just a moment, but first, thanks to these companies who support Drink Beer, Think Beer, and help keep it on the air. Stomp Stickers is a reliable resource for printed items, such as beer labels and boxes, keg collars, coasters, and more. Visit stompstickers.com and use code craftbeer15 for 15% off your first order. Athletic Brewing Company's innovative process allows them to brew great tasting craft beer without the alcohol. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping on two six-packs or more. New customers can also get 10% off of their entire order with code BEEREDGE10, limit one per customer. And NZ Hops. It's a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years to produce some of the world's finest hops. NZ Hops are like no others, unique in their flavors and aromas. Visit nzhops.co.nz to explore more. And now, back to the conversation. Community is this word that has come up now several times, and too, it's also in your email signature, I noticed, as well, building communities. And for a long time, there's been this conversation around craft of, yes, it's a business, but also it's about people. It's about building something. It's not just about, you know, the commodity or the widget or, you know, multi-million dollar uh, sponsorships. And Tio, I want to start with you because I'm, I'm curious if it's somehow... It, the way that I've been sort of thinking about this is like, you know, people talk about the American dream or, you know, uh, having a, a huge successful company, which translates into dollars and all of that. Um, there's got to be those satisfaction in knowing where your beer is going, who it's impacting um, and what you're building behind it. Maybe a little bit more than. I don't know, a multi-million dollar sponsorship or, you know, a banner at a, at a, at a stadium or something. Um, is, is that accurate for what you all are doing or am I just talking out my ass at this point? Uh, no, I, I think, and and thank you for even trying to frame it. Um, I think what we <laughs> poorly, but yeah, no, no, no worries at all. Um, you know, because it starts with a conversation and that's one thing that Benny and I, um, when we first went out on this path of, of introducing um, people that maybe had never even heard of craft beer to the industry um, is it started with a conversation, you know, around seven years ago, we just saw that there was this huge disparity. You know, every time I would go into a brewery, I would tend to be the only black guy in the room, you know, Benny, most definitely the only black woman in the room. And we just couldn't figure out what, what the, what the thing was, what the problem was or what the disconnect was, especially for an industry that I was learning to be, a very community-based, community-centric um, type industry. 
And what we learned is just that there were so many assumptions about what people would enjoy, what people would like. And, and I'll never forget being um, at, at a beer festival. Um, it was one of the first beer festivals that I attended. And I asked a question to this guy named Ken Grossman, who I'm sure nobody knows, but I didn't know who he was at the time. Um, you know, but, but, but I asked Just another him, brew with a beard. Yeah, exactly. But I asked him like, how do I get more black people to drink more crab beer? What do I say? What do I tell people? And he was like, you just have to bring them the beer, give them the beer. There's, you can't tell them shit is, is exactly what he said. And at first I was like a little offended at first when, when I got that response. But then when I realized that the messenger didn't look like the message, that there wasn't anyone in the community that understood and felt welcomed by the community. Um, because I, I'm, and I, and I mean this in, in the best possible sense and I always lead with love and I hope that's the way it's taken. But, you know, it, it's hard um, as the only one in a room to look at a hundred white smiles, partially drunk and feel completely comfortable, um, you know, coming out of what we now understand are a lot of very problematic things from this country that deal with systemic racism, that yeah. deal with redlining, that deal with so many things that literally don't allow for prosperity or for development or access to resources. This is a real thing. And I think people now understand it, that it's, you know, we have less than 1% black owned breweries. It's not just an accident. It's not because people just didn't want it bad enough. It was really, a, it's really been about access to resources. So for us, um, the concept of community, um, we, we've asked for people to reevaluate it, to, to, to have conversation about it. What does it look like? You know, if you're a brewery in a black community, you don't have any black people at your brewery, then that's a, a conversation to be had. And, and, and that's what we've been asking people to do is, is to, is to look at that and, and to truly look at, at, at if someone has been missing, if there's a lens that not, that's not being looked at, and um, we just created a, a, a nonprofit uh, last year called the Atrial Pills Initiative um, that's based off of um, um, a journal that the W.K. Kellogg Foundation wrote called A Business Case for Racial Equity. And it really states that if you focus on racial equity in this country today, that we all stand to see an impact of $8 trillion to our national GDP. And what that means is when you look at it from that lens, it stops being about charity. It stops being about blame. It stops being about who did what and more about what can we do to make sure that these communities are reflective of the community. And, and, and that's kind of our take on it. It's, I need to read that. I, I, I want to read that report. So I'm just, Oh, it's incredible. It's, it's, it's extremely digestible. I highly recommend it. Everybody read it, especially, you know, like I said, if you're a community-based business, um, I think if you start to understand the disparities that are around your community, that there are a lot of phenomenal breweries um, in our community that are focused on it. But I think now that we have an opportunity where everyone is, is available to understanding where and why these disparities exist, um, you know, again, the W.K. Kellogg Foundation wrote it, um, you know, we, we connected directly with them. They, they, they reached out to us and told, and told us that we hit it right on the nail, the, the nail on the head in terms of our philosophy and, and taking it and running with it. Um, so, so we highly recommend that, that people share it and talk about it. It was given to me by the head of DNI for Ben and Jerry's ice cream. And if you know anything about them, they go pretty hard in the paint when it comes down to DI and racial, racial equity.
Yeah. Um, I feel like I, we could keep going down this path because there's there's so much um, to, to to unpack on this, but I, I do want to uh, steer us back just a little bit to the game because you all teased this earlier uh, where, and this sort of fits into community where uh, breweries compete against each other in various ways and they're, 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 you know, the, the, the craft beer segment is still relatively small uh, in the, and, uh, and in John, the larger John, beer space. Yeah, go ahead. John, I, I will say like, I know it's been what, since 88, since uh, Cincinnati's <laughs> been in the, in the game. Yeah. I mean, the, you know, the, um, the Tigger movie did come out in 2000. So, I mean, there's certain things that they could still celebrate. I mean, wow. you know, maybe not being in the game that, you know, Winnie the Pooh, uh, Tigger, um, you know, Eeyore, you know, they, they, they really came through for Tigger, you know, and, you know, I think, you know, we, we shouldn't throw shade at Tigger, you know, in his efforts. What, well, I, what, thought, I thought that you guys were hosting Detroit Super Bowl, you know, with Stafford and Eminem and everybody being there. <laughs> thought this was Motor City. Hey, <laughs> the land of transplants. We, we, make, we make everybody better. <laughs> you got the Tigger movie in this conversation. <laughs> I, can't, I, I am, yeah. I didn't know where any of this was going to go, but but I I don't even know how we're going to get out of this one now. But all right. So over the years, the 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 whole concept of Super Bowl bets have come up, and and they're and they're mostly friendly, even if you're now throwing a mean. Uh, uh tinted shade um i'd like to see uh tia wear the tigger uh uniform if if we lose wow like like a like wow, a full-size man. halloween costume <laughs> I, I, you know what i'm sorry i love my rants don't get me wrong yeah, but, but that would be so funny now, now, <laughs> so, so you're not saying uniform you mean like a full halloween costume oh yeah come on tail and all it's got a curl wow <laughs> <laughs> I'll 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 look for for one that I can bounce around on too. How about that, Lynn? I could I could be uh, Rue. <laughs> oh, there you go. So so to finish that thought though, uh, breweries have gotten involved in various Super Bowl bets over the years, um, and usually it involves okay the the losing team or the winning team goes to somebody's city, brews a beer, uh, has some fun, uh, and it, it's it's all in good fun. Um, as it stands right now. Ryan Geist, you're in a bet with two breweries, the two breweries that are on the show right now. Um, what's at stake? Like what's already been established as to what the winning team we, the conversation is open, John. So I think I think you're you know mediating this podcast in a position to maybe influence the final bet, but um, did, yeah, but we did talk a little bit. I don't know if you were on this one on the CBC yeah. wearing yeah, the jerseys. A- that's you know. a no-brainer. We'll do that for sure. Yeah, yeah okay. I, 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 feel, I feel like this needs to take on. I, I want to spice it up. Social media. This, 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 without a shadow of a doubt, must be a social media uh, uh, presentation, in my opinion. I so th- I, I think we could happily host. If you guys want to come to our shop and brew together, and you guys pick the beer and name it, if you win, or we come to you if you win. However, you want to work those logistics oh, out. That I'm all like, into that. And then you brew in the opposing team's jersey. We put it all over. I See, got, I, I think the jer- I think the jersey is nice, but I also I Lynn bringing up a Tigger costume. I think that's what you have to wear for the brew day. Thanks. Right, well, uh, then I'll well, then we'll we'll do we'll dress up as Rams. 
We'll find head to to toe adult ram costumes. And you guys have to dress up like Tigger. All right. There it is. (laughs) Shoot. (laughs) (laughs) You you brought this up. I realize that. I'm I'm sleeping in my bed. It's all good. (laughs) But I don't need to worry. Oh. I know it's good. I know I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking about just how to eliminate wool from getting into the freaking kettle. Like you know, I'm, you know, we have to make sure that these are some well kept uh, ram costumes. You don't have to brew in it. Oh, that's part of the fun. I mean, you know, like standing over the kettle, you know, two hundred twelve degrees, and yeah, under the under the conditions that it's. Not you do it in August. Yeah, jeopardize the just... product. <laughs> August is lovely here. Are you kidding me? <laughs> it would you tell us seventy-two sunny all the time here? That's um, yeah. We've already got seasons, and it's cold. And last week we had an ice storm. You guys, you got enough going for you in California. Just give give the no coast a, uh, a victory here. Hey, look, um, if, if you don't mind me, John, uh, please kind of kind of reaching out and, and kind of yeah. because we have had some opportunities to to pour with with, with Ryan guys when we've uh, poured at a, a few festivals in the Midwest. Um, phenomenal team. And um, I think it almost goes without saying that your venue also is is really um, setting the stage. No pun intended. Um, for what a true brewing space can mean for its community. And I was hoping you can kind of talk about kind of what Ryan Geist means for the city of, of, of Cincinnati and, and just kind of to talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, as, as, as a new, as, I'm in the process of actually building out our space now. Uh, we'll be walking distance to the stadium uh, and we'll be located right off of Crenshaw Boulevard, the world famous Crenshaw Boulevard in Manchester. Yeah. Um, so I was hoping you could talk about what your brewery means to your city. Yeah, that's awesome. And congratulations on your success and the excitement that's around it is palpable. And, uh, same respect goes for you and your team and those that work alongside me that have had the opportunity to, to be next to your team and see what you all are doing is phenomenal. And Lynn, our relationship with three weavers goes all the way back to collaborating on penguin and coal. And, you know, it's, it's cool to be, joking around about our teams, but get a chance to do this together is really exciting. It's uh, to answer your question, it's it's kind of crazy. You know, I didn't, fi- I didn't, I'm not a founder of the brewery. I'm an early adapter into it. I believed in what they were doing and left a career with one of those much larger breweries that we talked about before, and, albeit on the craft side, but still a pretty major player in the industry to, to come down and and build into this thing. And, you know, the owners, founders would tell you they never thought we'd grow into that space. You know, what made it affordable was the area in which the brewery's at and the historic OTR part of Cincinnati had been through some drama and there wasn't a lot happening down there. And, you know, the, the, the people came and supported it fast and quick and with passion and, it, it's cool. We weren't the first one. We weren't the first Cincinnati craft brewery, but we were one of the first in OTR and, and, and we invested quickly in our people, our quality team, you know, put a lab in very early, but investing in the community is, is challenging on where you want those dollars to go. I mean, we're only now, we have a DEI committee for the first time that helps guide our principles. 
we have published pillars in which we give to the community. And what we try to do holistically is help solve a problem, right? We don't want to put band-aids on, on bullet holes. We want to, you know, we want to give to medical research. We want to give to low-income families that need help with education. Um, DEI is certainly a, 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 a major focus right now. Um, and the, the committee that we have at Rheingeist is, is, you know, founded about a year ago, is really finding their voice within our organization and helping us make better decisions. And it's cool to see that. But our community has changed alongside the growth of the brewery. It's new restaurants are available. There's a, you know, a streetcar. There's a professional soccer stadium that's been built a few blocks away. So much like what you guys are seeing in Inglewood, the, the perception has changed. And and there's a lot of great people in, in over the Rhine that have, that I think thought it was cool that we came into their part of the city and support us early. And um, as, as the community has evolved, we, we try to evolve with it. It's, it's, uh, it's hard to make holistic decisions on a charitable mission, right? Because all charity is good charity. You just have to find the things that mean the most to, to, to your team and your company and, and that can impact the community in a truly positive way. So I don't know if that answers the question, but I, I will say that we we spend a lot of time thinking about it and challenging ourselves. Are we doing the right thing? Are we getting better? Are we learning? Are we having the conversations? Is there, um, is there a, a, enough checks and balances to make sure decisions aren't being made in a, in a silo, right? And I think from that comes some, some outputs that we're really proud of. That's awesome. That's I mean, really and, and to, like we, we're, we're doing installations with in our tap room that we never would have even thought about before these conversations. Uh, you know, like, we're bringing black artists into the tap room to, to embrace that community. And it, it's just, it's, 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 it's a wonderful thing to watch happen organically. Right. And, um, we, we try to cultivate more of those opportunities and, and hopefully we're doing a good job. We're still learning. You know, we're still you know the, 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 the one thing Benny and I always talk about is, is like, you can't be everything to everybody. And, and, and that's where there's opportunities to, to exalt, to, to shine a light, to uh, give someone the, the stage um, to invest, you know? And, you know, I think that was one of the things early on, when we were having conversations about diversity and inclusion um, early on in our, in our journey, I think a lot of breweries um, just assumed we were saying they needed to change who they were. And, and that, that wasn't what we were saying. That was never what we were saying. It was about acknowledging and honoring and respecting those that are around you or that are in the community or even in the craft beer community who just never saw themselves ever. And, and, it, and it's a beautiful opportunity because I believe that the independent craft beer has the tools um, probably more than any other industry that I've ever seen to showcase what it means to be for the people and from the people. I mean, shit, it, even Three Weavers has community based in, 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 their, in their narrative, you know? And, and I think that's, that's about creating and planting the seeds for unfolding and developing and growing, you know, and I think that's that's where our industry shines. I agree with you, Tio. So one of the things that I, I love both about Rheingeist and and also Crowns and Hops, which is what we do with Three Weavers, is we know our why, you know, and I think that our industry as a whole, the craft beer industry, 
they understand the product of, of our, our community as an industry, but they may not necessarily understand the why portion. And it's really important to, as we started all of our businesses, to understand why we were doing it. We knew what we were making and we knew how, but the why, the why is what makes people want to, you know, bleed their blood for you to make that beer. It's, it's why they um, commit and, and work the long hours into this craft. Um, and for us, it's really the foundation of family and community. Uh, we drive that home. Um, we are a family unit here. We have, everybody has a say. Nobody should be scared about bringing something up in, in, in our house. And I'm kind of curious because like with all the um, issues with DEI and, and just being, you know, much more hyper aware, we're in Los Angeles. We are a melting pot. So Tia and I have an advantage because our demographics are very different than yours, Matt. So I'm yeah. kind of curious to know, um, it's it's not fair to have the assumption that you are expected to have something different than the demographics of your city um, in, in your brewery, right? Whereas for myself, we are, um, uh, we have a mix of male, females, um, and um, are even identified different, you know, gender, whatever. Um, and then our, like a lot of our production happens to be Latino or Mexican, or even, you know, some of the guys in the tasting room are, are black. I mean, like we're mixed because that's what our, our demographic is. Um, so I'm curious to know how you deal with that in Cincinnati um, and what the mix is for you. And are you feeling like you're having to push a little bit harder in the sense of when you're hiring or how, how you make that DEI choice in the sense of, um, you know, your staffing? Yeah, I'm happy to answer those questions. I want to set that up with we're learning, right? We're growing. We're challenging ourselves to be better. And I think the easy fix is to put out something short term and say, hey, this issue came up and we did this and we donated X amount of money. We we wanted to put fundamental systematic changes in place at Ryan Geist that led to long-term growth opportunity to continue to digest us. I mean, we're still, I don't and I, I don't want to steal thunder from our DEI committee because the work that they're doing is largely uh, the research portion is happening right now, right? The outputs of these things are just starting to be implemented and it's really cool to see it happen and as they find their voice. So I'm, I'm not on that committee, um, you know, as the 40 year old white guy, that, that doesn't make a lot of sense that the diversity committee is, is, is diverse by intention. And they challenge leadership to make sure that we're evolving to 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 reach a greater community. And I, I I think we probably skewed the direction that you can assume. But our community is diverse, and we want to find better ways to organically celebrate that and, and bring new people into this great thing of craft beer. Um, so I think it's I'm not trying to buck the question. We're largely in the research and education phase. We really wanted to take our time to understand how we can grow. So like defining inclusion internally, defining equity, surveying our team on what it means to them. What is culture within Ryan guys? And the responses we're getting are, are helpful, right? So we have a better understanding of the internal interpretation of those words. And then how do we implement those practices uh, uh, in the future? We definitely are working on hiring, Lynn, 100%. Mm -hmm. um, broadening our search is like step one. That's an impl impl 
we're implicating those changes now, right? Where do we post for candidates? We went to the same three spots everybody else did for seven years. We're widening that search now. And, and our HR team is was one person, it's now three. Um, we brought in some people to, to help us do just that, right? And, and make sure that our job descriptions are written to embrace um, a, a broader search of a candidate pool, just in hiring internally. Um, so it's, I think it's a, it's a, it's a long-term thing. Like you, we should be in constant education mode and then that's where we're at now and, and, and starting to implicate some of those things. So I don't know if that offered clarity or I'm happy to well, well, <laughs> add more. No, that was great. Well, well just, just to offer something out there. And again, one of the reasons why we created the Atrial initiative and we invite, you know, everyone to, to, to join us um, and what it means to, create and and support racial equity within a crappier industry it i'm sure you all have heard the stat you know less than one percent black owned breweries in a country um we truly believe that there's something that happens when you see yourself your your culture your your identity your vernacular used in a brewery you you truly feel like it's an extension of your home you don't feel like a visitor um so there's something about going to a brewery that specializes in bike riding and running or and and the lgbtq community or whatever the case might be people see themselves and then when that happens they get bit by the bug and you know how it is once you get bit by the craft beer bug it's game over you 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 want to spread <laughs> it and you want to and you want to share it with as many people as you as you know and and we believe that about um the, the the solving of the less than one percent um to be honest benny and i have a goal for in the next decade accomplishing five percent it sounds like not a lot but it is and if you think about the growing rate of breweries um and obviously there there's the the cases where breweries don't make it and, and you know and we wish that everybody could but this is a business and we understand that um but our goal is to make sure that the breweries the black owned breweries that that currently um exists don't fail um we believe that that is an initiative that the brewers association and if not the brewers association that that brewers in their respective communities should should take to heart because what that means is that they don't want an opportunity for our industry to expand by supporting these breweries so that's what the atrial pill initiative is all about um we have some incredible partners in it you know we've had some great conversations with Rob Todd at Ali Gash, um, with, um, with 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 Matt Lincecum at, at Fremont Brewing, um, who all are are now going to really align with us to to ensure that we're providing resources. But we do believe it, it may not sound like a lot, but seeing yourself in the craft is such a huge thing. You know, I think it's also why the Pink Boot Society has become such a prominent force in our industry because you know you're not alone as a woman, you know you're not alone anymore. And, and that's, what, that's what we, we, we ultimately signify. Um, Lynn, I wanna go back to one, one thing that you were talking about before though, of um, you know, if people at your place, uh, you, know, you want them to feel comfortable, you want them to be able to speak up, um, you, know, you wanna have that, uh, that, that, that atmosphere. Um, was it different? during canarchy times 
everything was different during Canarchy times. Yeah, so getting the meat. I'm joking. <laughs> so much. Okay, so so here's here's something that that um, probably most of you don't don't realize is that we adore Canarchy. Um, just because it, we're not with them doesn't mean that we don't have a, a huge amount of respect and admiration for them getting us through the pandemic. Um, and um, the fact that they believe in our brand and the opportunity to allow us to, to separate um, because it, we weren't able to be the priority that we needed to be to be able to pursue the Hollywood Park deal and, and to grow our brand um, because we weren't growing um, or our, our scope wasn't as big as, you know, Cigar City or, um, and so it was different. Um, I, I feel that um, we owe them a debt of gratitude, not only for the knowledge of which they transferred to all of our staff um, in lab quality um, on our canning line. It's it just beyond so many different measures. Um, it, it's, it's just different in the sense of culture. Um, we lost, I feel like we lost a little bit of our, uh, we lost a lot of our culture, like who we were and what was most important. That's um, what I, yeah. Yeah. And that's what I was curious about. What was, what was lost was like me interviewing people and, and having the conversation, where do you want to be in five years? What do you see yourself doing? What is your dream? Okay. I get it. Let's make sure that you like when you're ready to leave here, cause this is not going to be your final place. Let's make sure you have more skills towards that goal than you have right now. And that's where there's like an investment on my side um, for every person that comes in here. You know, some guys here may never leave. And I hope that, you know, some of them will only be here for a short period of time. And some of them may be here for like a couple of years. But my goal is for them to learn and to educate themselves and to, to be able to rise up within the ranks um, and to better themselves. That's, that's part of what any parent wants for their kid. And I, I kind of take this position of, you know, if my kid was to join um, a, a business, I want them to be treated the exact same way that I treat treat my employees and and give those opportunities because um, I, I'd, I'd rather hire up than than um, hire in, you know. Um, and I don't know, like Matt, how you guys do it over there, but it, it creates that feeling of of family and um, the ability to you know, come into my office and, and vent or talk things through. And then also helping them in, in the sense of how to vent, how, how to handle, how to manage, you know, even on the personal side, because you know what, it's like, we're all friends here. We, you know, we go camping. Well, you know, they, Chris is uh, our director of our operations. He's an amazing pizza man. I mean, like he'll bring his little pizza oven and like turn out 12 pizzas. And it's awesome. Like and even, ramen. What's that? And ramen, Jesus and, Christ. Oh, yeah. Does he do ramen? I haven't had the ramen. <laughs> I'm Japanese and I haven't had his ramen. And, and again, how, how and, and, and really, if you think about, and I'm sorry not to cut you off, but really just to give credit to like LA, Inglewood, South LA based brewers, like literally, we have a Mexican dude who's the head of brewing operation who does the most phenomenal pizza and ramen. In, Salvadorian. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, Salvador. it's. it's <laughs> exactly. It, yes. Yeah. I mean, just, but it, it's, it's, it's really a testament to, I think, 
um, the culture that's being created in this community. You know, you know, Lynn was the first brewery in Inglewood. You know, we're we're probably the loudest. <laughs> you know, but 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 it's it's all in tandem. You know, it, it's all in tandem. It's all to promote this 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 mission of what it means to support one another and to wish the very best for our futures and our careers and to be incubators for for success. You know, and and from the sounds of it. Matt and his team over at Ryan guys um, also have the same philosophy or similar. Yeah, no doubt. And culture, that button is, you know, it's hard to push. It's got to be organic. And I think the pandemic, depending on the size of your brewery, hurt people culturally regardless, right? Because then for our team, like we, we're getting together for happy hour. We're eating those pizzas. We're playing beanbags in our tap room. We're playing wiffle ball. Mm-hmm. And the pandemic stopped all that. And you've got shift workers and you're trying to make sure that contact tracing doesn't hit other departments. And some people are working from home and others aren't. And that's stressful to those that are showing up on site and other people are working from home, you know, and, and it's going to take some time for us to like find that camaraderie again with over 300 employees, you know, it it helped when the tap room opened up for sure. Um, And we're still navigating our way through that, but it's, it's a challenge to be ripped away from that, those bonding moments, right? And mm-hmm. and try to keep people safe, and and uh, you know we're we're working on that now, and and making sure we don't. It's just critical, right? Yes, how we do it, and we went through a phase where we were, you know, we hired so many people so fast. I say we had our growth spurt, right? We we're like an awkward teenager that could shoot lights out three pointers, and a high school coach came into the gym and was like, "Hey, you can play high school ball." And we could, we had the talent to do that, but we didn't have the maturity, right? So now we're starting mature, we're getting a little older, we still got some of that talent, but those exciting times of like everybody just picking the company up and throwing it on your back and like, we're going to get this done because we love what we do and we're going to work so hard to do it. Growth gets harder, you're further away from your teams, pandemic puts challenges in, you lose the ability to be on premise, sampling people, talking to customers, finding new people to experience these beers. Um... So there's like a little bit of a rebirth happening. There's some level of it being exciting too. Like what's the next wave of this going to be and put this pandemic behind us hopefully sooner than later and, and get out there and uh, find more opportunities. You know, before this call started, you were talking about how it's exciting to look forward to, you know, things reopening. And I think that that's going to be a rising tide that lifts the ships of our industry, right? We're resilient. Craft could have got beat down from this. and, And I think a lot of us, not only survived, but thrived. And um, we learned you had to grow up real quick, right? You had to grow up real quick. I I am a little worried though. I am a little worried about um, the lack of number of closures that have happened, what I would have anticipated. You know, when I started, when I joined Canarchy, it was my, my comment was that, look, I didn't want to be by ourselves. We were growing at such a fast rate that it was it was getting unwieldy, you know, um, of you know almost triple three, you know, triple digit growth and and the capital that's necessary to maintain that growth. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that like I'm I'm really worried. I'm worried that I knew something was going to happen. I thought it was going to be a market correction that the long tail would be a little bit shorter. But now it's not. the The correction hasn't happened, and then you now have all these EIDL loans that that have been funded over 30 yep. years and it's it's a little bit daunting now that all a lot of these breweries are so debt heavy um regardless of how that payment is i don't care 30 years or whatever there's a lot of debt out there and it's, yeah, it's still debt. 
Yeah. yeah. It's a little bit worrying to me. And there had been a lot of debt going into the pandemic as well for a lot of breweries. And this just sort of redistributed that. Or added on top. Or added on top of it. Yeah. yeah. And so that's where I was saying that I was, I'm super thankful for Canarchy because if I hadn't joined Canarchy, we would be like so deep in debt, so deep. And I would feel very, very uncomfortable. Um, I, you know, I'm a planner uh, and, you know, I planned something happening. I did not plan a pandemic. I didn't think that was what it was going to be, but um, uh, I'm glad that that we had joined Canarchy and now, you know, leaving, we've, we've been able to set ourselves up in a really great position. You know, we're, we're submitting plans shortly here for our brew pub um, that's going to be in Hollywood park um, right next to the SoFi stadium or right down from the SoFi stadium. So we're, we're in a 10 times better position and we all, we owe it to Canarchy. So our relationship with them is fabulous. And they, they're, I wish them luck with their um, monster um, acquisition. Yeah. So I'm hoping that um, everybody, you know, there's not too much of a, a uh, um, uh, shifting of, of jobs and, and such. They, they keep on saying that they're going to keep the, the businesses separate. So that means that nobody should be losing any positions or anything. So, so I'm hoping that happens. And um, yeah, I, I, I see a lot of opportunity for them in the future. All right. As we start to wrap up, because I'm mindful of everybody's time, I'm uh, going to ask you all the same question. Uh, Tia, you're going to go first, if that's all right. Uh, on Super Bowl Sunday, you can have two beers in front of you for the duration of the four quarters. Uh, one is one of your beers, and the other is a beer that your company does not make. Mm. What are the two wow. beers? Wow, two beers out the gate. Um, I have to go uh, one of yours and then oh, one oh, of somebody oh. else's. Oh, I got it. I got it, brother. Um, I, I, I would say without a shadow of a doubt, um, it would have to be Inglewood juice. Um, it's a juicy IPA that we brew um, with Citra, um, with Comet uh, and Centennial. It's, by the way, Comet is like a low key old school hop that I think a lot of people have kind of written off. Um, I don't know how you guys are up on it, Matt. Um, I know Lynn, I know the team uses it at Three Weavers, but Comet, Love Comet. Yeah, we on fire right now. Um, but it's a juicy IPA that we kind of straddle the line between the, the hazy and the West Coast place that, that we made, especially for the city that we got coming out again this week. Um, and man, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that if someone asked me this question, I'll always go to the same damn answer every time. But it's just a true north for me, uh, Pliny the Elder. Um, I'd have to have that West Coast double IPA in front of me if I had <laughs> if I had my choice to have any beer. Um, you know, you got to give it up to Vinny and his team for their their consistency and, and just always kind of hitting the mark. And I'm, I'm a true West Coast double IPA guy um, all day. I love it. Uh, Matt, two beers in front of you. One of yours, one from somebody else. Oh, uh, it's so tough. I was kind of, when you asked this, I was like, oh, pick me last. I need to think. <laughs> I'll go. Uh, all right. Well, then. Uh, <laughs> I'm not shy. I'm usually pretty damn direct. Uh, so I would have expatriate in a 19-2 can, especially we're watching the game, so I don't have to get up. And then the other one, I'll be honest with you, Matt, it's got to be bubbles. Bubbles. Hey. Bubbles. Oh, crap. Nice. That is so good. So inspired uh, us. Like for that fruited sour, just uh, delicious. Brian Geist bubbles. All right, Matt. Well, Lynn teed me up here, and I haven't had the opportunity to try as much stuff 
uh, you know, on the coast. So I'm a huge pills guy in a situation like that. So I'm going to, I'm going to ask for some eight trill. Hey, get it out. And then if I'm going hazy, I want to try a little cloud city. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go internally with fresh truth. Ah. Day, day one truth IPA. It, it just sings. And, and I wouldn't say I'm going to drink them throughout the whole game, but that's going to be, that's going to be one of the first couple of beers. And then I'll settle into something a little bit more sessionable. Well, Seven point two sneaks up on you on truth. I was going to say, Matt, the truth's going to hurt. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Centennial, Simcoe, <laughs> Citra, Amarillo, just classic hops, but that's seven, two, it doesn't drink like seven, two. So I, I joke around a lot. I have a one truth limit. That's, <laughs> that's a good excuse to call in sick on Monday. Um, <laughs> all right. So your bet is mostly firmed up at this point. There's definitely going to be costumes involved. Uh, beer and the location to be determined, jerseys at CBC uh, to, to be worn, um, regardless of who wins on Sunday, if it's the Rams or if it's the Bengals, uh, we can all agree that if he's calling a game, Joe Buck is the absolute worst. <laughs> That's something <laughs> that I worst. think we can all unite behind. <laughs> Poor <Okay>. Joe Buck. I tell this story about Joe Buck in an elevator in St. Louis and he's in this elevator and this kid's like, you're Joe Buck. He's like, I am. I'm Joe Buck. Would you like an autograph? And he goes, no, you're Joe Buck. (laughs) (laughs) There there, there was nothing worse than seeing his show debut on HBO and literally it got burned to the ground for a live show on HBO, it got burned to the ground in front of everybody's eyes due to, uh, what was his name? Artie? Artie Lang. Oh my God. It, it was, I've never, it was like watching a train wreck in slow motion. You just it can't was, look away. I, oh, it was, I, it was, I will say he, he's a good sport in the show Brockmire, <laughs> uh, which you can find on IFC or Hulu or one of those places. He plays himself and is actually a pretty good sport. Um, but I'm just, I'm glad NBC has the game this year. That's all I'm saying. It's Same. all love, Joe. It's all love, uh, Joe. Like, well, well, well if, you know, you know, thanks to Ryan, guys. You know, hopefully the, the, the Bengals show up, uh, you know, like, like a portion of, you know, who Ryan guys is inherently, you know, their, their name means, you know, in German to, to be ghost. So, you know, <laughs> my thought is they're, they're going to be geist-like. And the phantoms in in the Super Bowl game. So um, you know, th- thanks, guys. I am gonna go right through them. I'm gonna enjoy <laughs> winning this. I'm gonna I'm gonna enjoy. <laughs> I'm gonna enjoy winning this bet. I'm gonna enjoy winning this bet. You got a lot of Rams walking around in Inglewood. Oh, <laughs> strong, powerful. Wow. Uh, I will say. I will say. I'll say this and as genuine as possible. I think the Super Bowl matchup is a great thing for football, for fans of football, and for both of our cities. I think we both both our cities deserve it. Agreed. And I think it's a cool game that is going to put our cities on the map. Both teams have real exciting storylines to follow and root for if you're not a fan of the home team. And if nothing else, we got the two baddest helmets in the game. No Bashing shit. up on each other, right? Like, I mean, great. <laughs> we we definitely win the helmet battle, right? It, it, it's it's gonna it's gonna be one of the more colorful 
Super Bowls in in a, in a long time. I'd say that much. I, I actually picked up a white jersey because, uh, you know, I thought it was going to be a blue jersey, but I didn't have a white jersey. So I picked up a, a white jersey. I got a match. <laughs> hey, Teal. You know what I'm talking about, right? I'm my, like, the Rams are wearing white. Yeah. yeah. Ask Mahomes what he what he thinks about sleeping on the Bengals. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I'm going to let you all continue this over uh, over your emails as you're as you're uh, getting this sorted out. But uh, Tio and Matt and Lynn, thank you so much for being on the show this week. Thanks for trading the barbs, but also getting serious about where beer is and where it's going and uh, the work that has to be done. This was this was a lot of fun and uh, I and enlightening. So thank you for taking the time. Well, thank you. Thanks for having us, John. Appreciate it. Thank you, man. Who are you rooting for in the big game? And what are you going to be drinking? You can tell me about it. It's John Hall. That's J-O-H-N-H-O-L-L at beeredge.com if you like email. Or you can get with me on Twitter at John underscore Hall. Be sure to check out beeredge.com for our This Week in Rauk Beer and Defend Pilsner merch. And to follow along on social media at The Beer Edge. And of course, This Week in Rauk Beer is also online. The Facebook group is easy to search. And on Twitter and Instagram, it's at TWRaukBeer. We're able to bring you this show each week thanks to the companies that want to support independent journalism in the beer space. If you'd like to learn more about our surprisingly affordable rates, please reach out to sponsor at beeredge.com. And also be sure to check out Stomp Stickers. Stomp is a proud member of the Brewers Association that produces a wide variety of printed brewery products, such as beer labels, keg collars, coasters, beer boxes, and much more. Stomp's website features an easy-to-use design tool, low-quantity orders, fast turnaround times, and free domestic shipping. Visit stompstickers.com and use code CRAFTBEER15 for 15% off of your first order. Athletic Brewing Company's innovative process allows them to brew great-tasting craft beer without the alcohol. From IPAs to stouts to gold nails and more, they offer a full selection of beers starting at only 50 calories. Now you can keep your head clear and enjoy the refreshing taste of beer anytime, anywhere. Place an order today at athleticbrewing.com and get free shipping on two six-packs or more. New customers can also get 10% off of their entire order with code BEEREDGE10. Limit one per customer. And NZ Hops. It's a cooperative of master growers whose legend and cultivars have been crafted for over 150 years with creativity and passion to produce some of the world's finest hops. With a dedicated hop breeding program and farming knowledge handed down through the generations, the current day master growers proudly provide 18 unique New Zealand hop varieties to the world. Visit nzhops.co.nz or you can find them on Instagram, Facebook, or LinkedIn at nzhopsltd to learn more. A reminder, check out the Beer Edge podcast with Andy Crouch. Steal This Beer has new episodes every Monday, and the BYO Nano podcast comes out on the 15th of every month. On this show, Nate Schweber does the music, Jeff Quinn designed the logo, and I'm John Hall. New episodes release every Wednesday, and that's when I'm going to be back again to drink beer and to think beer. <laughs>